Hey everybody, it's Matt. As we kick off this episode of Growing Greater, let's thank the team at Wells Fargo. The people of Wells Fargo focus on performing their best every day so they can do more for their customers and colleagues, their communities, and their shareholders. As one of the oldest and largest financial services firms in the United States, Wells Fargo offers retail and commercial banking products and services to individuals, small businesses, middle market companies, large corporations, and institutions. With offices in 37 countries and territories, the Wells Fargo team is uniquely positioned to support their customers who conduct business around the corner and in the global economy. Learn more at wellsfargo.com. And join me in thanking Wells Fargo for the support of this podcast. This is Growing Greater, Growing Greater, bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11 county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. The collective neighborhood of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, it's known as a region of firsts, where many great ideas became reality and scores of companies got their start. And that region of firsts, it's just one of the many characteristics that inspire companies from around the country and around the world to locate, expand, and grow their operations in our greater Philadelphia community. This week on Growing Greater, we hear from a leader of one of those companies. Through engineering and science, Sanborn Head & Associates provide integrated earth, energy, and environmental consulting services to help their clients accomplish their goals. As professional niche consultants, they take pride not just in finding solutions to important problems, but in clearly communicating those solutions. Having celebrated their 25th year in business in 2019, New England-based Sanborn Head, they started tackling countrywide expansion. And that journey, it's led them right here to Greater Philadelphia. Mike Nicolero of the Sanborn Head leadership team has more than 40 years of experience in all facets of the natural gas and liquefied natural gas industry, with a special focus on utility infrastructure permitting, design, and construction. Mike shares with us how Sanborn Head decided that Greater Philadelphia is the place to expand and what makes the energy landscape in this region so unique. One of those aspects, it's the community of collaborators at the Chamber's Greater Philadelphia Energy Action Team, who help companies like Sanborn Head get settled and thrive. Here, Mike describes what Sanborn Head is all about. Sanborn Head is a 115, 120-person firm that basically a group of professionals, environmental, geotechnical, and energy professionals that are all culturally aligned. And they have the greater good in mind. And they're also, as a group of individuals that are working, it's a generational company, which means that we do not want to be owned by anybody but ourselves. Mm. So we're always cultivating the younger group to take over because as people get to my age, you know, let's face it, there comes time for people like myself to hand it down, become more of a mentor. And so now we have people in the 30s and 40s running it. And that's the type of company that we are and we hope to sustain. It sounds like good teamwork that leads to great success for everybody. Absolutely. 
So, Mike, I'm really interested in learning about your perspective specific to the landscape in the energy sector in the greater Philadelphia region. Your team at Sanborn and Head made kind of a conscious effort to move here. What was the attraction? The attraction really is it's a city that's, I think, growing, going toward the Renaissance. But being close to the Marcella Shale and being close to where the energy supply is, is an important thing. There are some clients that we had followed here, one of them being Philadelphia Gas Works. Yep. which is a client of ours. Okay. And we see that, you know, that they are very similar to all the other utilities. They have old infrastructure that needs rehabilitation, but they also need to, you know, as they are, they're thinking about how they can utilize that resource in, in a greater capacity. So we see it as a place that isn't too far from where our central, you know, headquarters is where we can actually deploy resources. Ideally, I want to grow resources here and I've been welcomed, you know, in a great way by the folks uh, here at GPEAT and just by virtue of being asked to be on the show, which yeah. I think is a great thing. To help tell your story. Because yeah. <clears throat> we're as equally excited that your team chose Greater Philadelphia as one of your expansion markets. And Mike, I want to get a little nuanced with you here, if I could. Take me back to that conference room meeting where you and your colleagues are sitting around and you're thinking about growth and you're strategizing around geographic expansion. Were there other options? And you don't have to necessarily name regions unless you're comfortable with that, but were you thinking, this makes sense for us to consider this community, or this one actually makes a lot more sense based on where our clients are based? And what was the kind of process that you and your team went through? That's a good question, because we had first said Mid-Atlantic. And Mid-Atlantic really could have been anywhere from, say, North Carolina to D.C. Yep. to Jersey to Philly. Yeah. Right. And so we looked at all that and Philly kept jumping out. It kept jumping out because of the growth that we're seeing. And we know that there's a lot of challenges in a city like Philly, like Boston, like Newark, like any big city. So we know that it comes with the challenges. And that's fine because if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right. So my take is that we came here. We were welcome with open arms. Being part of this GP was a huge factor in making that decision. But we knew we needed to move our flagship somewhere, and Philly just kept coming up. Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm glad you're referencing GP, which for folks who may not be aware, we call it the Greater Philadelphia Energy Action Team. And to your point, Mike, it's this team of collaborative kind of leaders who are working together to advance the cause of investing in and distributing in a responsible and thoughtful way energy to communities who need it. And one of the things that I always talk about, especially when it comes to the energy sector, but some others as well, is this infrastructure. So the pipeline infrastructure, the highway infrastructure, the rail infrastructure, is that one of the assets that your team considers when you're thinking about, you know, how do we do business in this community? Absolutely. There's a business objective, right? There's also the soft side, the qualitative side of you know, how you'd be received. That's an important piece because all of that could be there, but if you're not being received, it's just not going to work. So we think culturally we're aligned. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, absolutely. We're all about infrastructure and improving infrastructure. You think about, I mean, we can talk about gas, but we can talk about water, gas, wastewater, combined sewer overflows, a number of different things that are underground that have deteriorated. And we know that they all have to be rehabilitated. And natural gas, while it's not a perfect fuel by many, Mm -hmm. But it is the one that offers you the greatest resilience. Right. And to me, resilience is when energy supplies are all being drawn upon, say it's a very cold day, a very warm day, and, and electric loads are huge, natural gas will be there. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that solar or wind or combined heat and power or a number of different things, batteries, those are all great. Yep. They're not here yet. They cannot carry the day. 
Right. So we have to come up with a diverse portfolio of energy. Yeah. So that we keep resilience in because if we do lose electricity, communication, security, people will die. Yeah. I mean, I just, I want to be graphic about that because it's happened Mm -hmm. recently, January, in Newport, Rhode Island. Mm Mm-hmm. There was an area in Newport, Middletown, that lost its natural gas supply because everybody was sucking on the pipe and they didn't have any any natural gas Mm -hmm. left in the pipeline to deliver. 7,500 people were put out, Hmm. okay? And the one thing that they reflected on when the regulators came in was if they maintained this liquefied natural gas facility that got shut down four years ago, because that's a peak shaver, it it could have been there just for that little bit of gas, just enough to keep it going, keep everything lit. That thing would have never happened. Right. And so I use that as as an example as to why it's important to sustain and grow thoughtfully right. natural gas. Right. That's a really good example. As uh, <clears throat> challenging of a story it is to share, the reality of it is as we invest in renewable energy sources like wind or solar, to your point, the energy source that's affordable, accessible, reliable is gas. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. You had referenced the fact that liquid natural gas, LNG, the benefits of it may not always have been recognized the way they are today. And it kind of went through peaks and valleys. And early in your career, it wasn't the sexy kid in town, but now it kind of is. And if you could share with us a little bit about how that's evolved. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. LNG as natural gas has always been kept in the closet when they were being built in the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Out of sight, out of mind, you know, we'll figure out, you know, how we'll use it. But then people became more educated. In comes the internet, in comes the web, and people start to become educated and learn about what's in their backyard. And, you know, I'm part of the American Gas Association and the New England Gas Association, and shame on me and shame on all of us, but we never really developed a good educational program to let people know how significant it was or is. Right. And so we're fighting that. We're trying to get that out, but, you know, we're late, and so we end up taking a lot of bruises and a lot of hits for that. Yep. But the whole idea of LNG in a utility environment is to be used as a peak shaver so that you have pipeline that will provide you with a certain amount of gas. Okay. That's the base. Yep. And then in the wintertime, you really don't need a big pipeline you know, all year round because that's expensive. That means you'd have to dig up pipes and, and put a, a sunken asset into the ground. Mm-hmm. You have these LNG facilities that will come on just enough to put just enough gas in there to keep up with the peak. Gotcha. And that's what LNG had done. And now we've got CNG, compressed natural gas. Mm -hmm. And now the latest one is renewable natural gas, which isn't coming from fracked gas. It's coming from anaerobic digesters. It's coming from landfills. It's coming from chicken farms, pigsties, wherever you may be. We're taking all of that and trying to figure out how to put that in the pipeline. Right. All as peak shavers. Right. To build on the reference to peak shavers, to alleviate the pressure so that there's enough gas to allow everybody to benefit from it. And we don't run out of it, if you will. Right, exactly. And so most of the your transmission line companies will say, well, let's just put in another pipeline. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of people, especially in the Northeast, where I live, they don't want no pipelines. Yeah. So we're not getting pipelines. So people are getting curtailed in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Perfect example, UMass Amherst. They're on natural gas, but in the wintertime, come November, their provider of service says, we're going to curtail your natural gas. So UMass says, what do I do? Shut down the campus? Right. Tell people to go home? They said, No. Burn your oil. We don't want to burn the oil. So we put in a small-scale LNG facility for them. Good solution. And guess where the gas is coming from? Pennsylvania. Nice. That's smart. Coming in the form of LNG. Yeah. LNG, the beautiful thing about that, volumetric reduction is 620 to 1. Right. 
So for every cup of LNG you see, it turns into 620 cups of natural gas. Wow. So that's the beauty, energy density. That's a really good visual for the average listener to appreciate. For every cup that is transported as a compressed natural gas. Or as liquid natural gas. As liquid natural minus gas. Minus 260 degrees. It's then transformed into 620 cups. 20 cups. That's of a, natural gas. That's a really good visual for yeah. a listener to appreciate. And if I could drill down on that with a little bit of a nuanced question, how's it transported? By truck. Okay. Truck, LNG trucks, liquefied natural gas trucks. It's an inner tank that's made out of cryogenic. Cryogenic is a fluid that's below minus 180. Right. C, so... Metals will fail, you know, if it's exposed to LNG, but stainless steel and aluminum will be able to withstand those cold temperatures. And then there's an outer jacket and it's insulated, vacuum insulated. And 10,000 gallons is typically the normal transport. Okay. And you'll probably see them, you know, running yeah. up and down the street. You'll see them probably coming out of Philadelphia Gas Works, yep. coming out of UGI, yep. which they are a very big player in the LNG market. Right. They, uh, they deliver sure. LNG from Reading, Pennsylvania to Vermont. Wow. Economically. And I want to drill down on something you've been mentioning, because as great as truck transportation is, and as great as rail transportation is, ideally the pipeline would be the most efficient path. Is that a fair assessment? It sure is. But given how we've developed cities and towns Mm -hmm. and where the density is, where the density is is where you need the natural gas. And then when you start citing pipelines of the higher pressure, you start getting into areas that need to be protected. So you need standoff distances. So it becomes cumbersome to actually take a natural gas pipeline and bring it to the place where it actually needs it. But there are methods for doing that because you can take a high-pressure transmission line that's a distance away and then take down the pressure and then bring in 60-pound or 90-pound natural gas in high-density polyethylene pipe, which is great. But a lot of folks right now don't have the education that we should have been giving to them because if they had it, they'd understand it probably better. Right. And I think in time, there's going to be some balance. People have to come to the center mm-hmm. and say, hey, it took us you know, 80 years to get to where we are with natural gas. We just can't right. shut it down. Right. So it'll have to be gradual. Maybe we reduce our consumption a bit. Maybe the uh, renewables come up. Maybe, maybe someone invents that battery. Yeah. That battery, I'd love to see a battery, you know, be able to store a great deal of energy. To your point, it ends up being a balance of different sources, potentially, of energy. Yeah. yeah. I think we have to bring respect back, yeah. you know, to the center. Right. Because I think there's definitely lack of respect on both sides. Yeah. And I think we have to somehow come to grips and say, okay, we'll take some of this, we'll take some of that, and guess what? At least the people aren't going to get hammered. Yeah. And it's reasonable. And equally important, if not most important, it's safe. It's safe for communities to have these kinds of transportation modes in their neighborhoods that, frankly, they don't even know are are there already in some situations. And frankly, the case can be made that it's safer than having a truck drive through a community or a train drive through a community that's transporting some sort of chemical as well. That's true. I mean, right now, there are things that are being transported by rail that travel safely. But if you thought about it, ammonia, it could be whatever. And, And if there was ever a spill in an area that's very urban, then people will get hurt. Yeah, for sure. So, Mike, you may have touched on this, but many companies are very interested in reducing their carbon footprint. And I know one of the initiatives that the GP team through our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia is working on is this initiative called the Energy at Work program. And we're seeing more and more industries and companies wanting to generate energy on site. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about that. 
the focus that these companies have and the options that they have for accessing and achieving that goal. I think what you find is a lot of your, your larger institutions, when they were formed back in the day, their central plants all had some form of diesel mm-hmm. oil as a backup, and then they would lead with natural gas. Uh, and, and it might have been the reverse, depending upon the pricing, you know? Right. But they had dual fuel. But what they didn't have, a lot of them, they didn't have combined heat and power, where you actually have a piece of equipment that's generating maybe electricity or domestic heat, but you take the waste heat off of that. Yeah. And you use that waste heat for something else. So it's it's using, you know, all the heat mm-hmm. that comes into a certain combustion engine. And rather than being 60 or 70% efficient, you'd be 90% efficient. Right. So that's a way of capturing, you know, a lot of that energy and being greener, if you will, yeah. or being more environmentally conscious. Yeah. The one thing that I do say is that if someone were to, like UMass Amherst or like this Omia, which is a plant up in Vermont, yeah. they made a conscious decision that they didn't want to burn oil. Right. So they said, I'm going to bring LNG up. Yeah. And guess what? The payback was like four years. Yeah. So they were able to do that. And guess what? They reduced their carbon footprint right. by using natural gas in the form of LNG. So on face value, a lot of people say, well, natural gas, that's a fossil fuel. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, but when you look at the overall bank of CO2, yeah. they've reduced it. Right. And I think that there's a lot of industries that are out there right now that might have to go on to oil that could probably benefit by using CNG, mm-hmm. RNG, or LNG. Nice. So I do think that what the utilities have taken advantage of and have known about all this time, there could be energy independence in those private and industrial applications where they could say, you know something? If XYZ utility can do it, I can do it too. Right. I want to take control. I need that control. Right. And they could do that. Yeah. And I love that kind of sense of helping these companies accomplish their goals and they have options to do it. And the story about, you know, we don't want to burn this kind of fuel, but we're willing to burn this kind of fuel and we can do it in a smarter way. It's fuel optionality. All Americans should have the option to do these things. It's up to America to decide how they want it. Right. So let the people decide. Let them decide what they want. But they first have to understand And we have to be able to be out there as energy professionals to put the education out there. Totally. So I want to shift gears slightly, come back to Sanborn Head and have you share a little bit more about the culture and the spirit of Sanborn Head. I don't want to just assume this, but Sanborn Head, the names of founders of the company? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's a guy named Paul Sanborn. Mm -hmm. He's a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And Charlie Head, who's still with us, the Navy SEAL has retired. Charlie Head's still with us, and he's still leading the company, and he is based out of the Concord office, and he was actively involved, and still is to a certain degree, with this whole Philadelphia. He's got a lot of other things that he he works on, but but this is one area that he has really supported and has been a a good cheerleader uh, for the Mid-Atlantic, Pat, and and the folks here. But uh, yeah, Paul Sanborn probably left the company, I'm here seven years, so he had been out of the company probably a good maybe nine years. Okay. Gotcha. And, but uh, Charlie's still here and leading the charge. That's great. And big picture, overview, how big's the shop and what's your geographic reach? Yeah. So the company itself, we're about 125 folks. Okay. All in all. The main central organization is probably out of Concord, maybe about 60, 70 folks out of there. And we have a Westford Mass office. There's about 40, 40 mm-hmm. out of that office. Mm-hmm. And then we have a small office in uh, Vermont, Burlington, yep. Burlington, Vermont, a small one in Boston. About a half a dozen to a dozen people there. And the Philly office. Yeah. But as far as where we work, mm-hmm. we do work for IBM. So we find ourselves doing international work. Nice. In the energy world, we find ourselves being more of a national presence. So we're doing work in Tacoma, Washington. We're doing work in Oregon. Yeah. 
we even do some work in the VI, St. Croix. Nice. We're the Water and Power Authority. Yeah. So where clients want us, we will go. Right. So you're full we, service. We figured we figured out how to how to serve the client and not stretch ourselves so big. We right. don't want to be right. big and unruly. We have clients that we want to cater to. It's all about serving them and serving them well. Yeah. So that hopefully we get the repeat work. Yeah. Right. You personally seem to love your job and you have a career that you've been able to navigate over time through civil engineering and through kind of management and planning, if I remember correctly. Is the culture at Sanborn Head one that everybody really has the joy, if you will, of coming to work every day? It feels like it. Yeah. I mean, like anything else, you go into work, you have your good days, you have your bad days. And there's always some things within a company, right? That, uh, you know, I don't like filling out time cards, right? But, you know, then again, if I don't fill out a time card, then how do we know where my time went and how do we build a client, right? So I get it. So so there are all those little things that come up. But for the most part, it's a culture that really and truly is embraced by everybody. It's a nice place to work, nice people to work with. And the clients seem to like our culture. Yeah. And they seem to like the way we we work and how we treat them. And as a result, we've been around since 93 and hopefully we can be around for another another 50 years. Yeah, that's great. A generational company. So a couple wrap-up questions for you, Mike. Where do you see Sanborn Head in the spirit of what you just shared in the next three, five, 10 years from now? Well, I can tell you this. In the next three, because this is what Joan and I are basically plotting to do is establish a solid office in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm right where we are, probably not far from where our small little office is now, Mm -hmm. and grow it out and hire local people and have local people be the face of Sanborn Head in Philadelphia. Right. That's great. And we love that because you're creating new jobs, bringing a new economic vibrancy to the greater Philadelphia community, and we're really proud and thrilled to call you a a member of the business community here. Yeah. Well, you got the schools here. You got Drexel. You got Temple. So we're hoping to recruit from them. Totally. And then hopefully it just, it kind of goes from there. Yeah. That's great. So you may have touched on this. You can change one thing about the energy industry or about, you know, the space you and your team work in at Sanborn Head. It can be regulatory. It can be brand and image. It can be, you know, access to information, you know, anything that you say, you know, kind of keeps you up at night. And you say, man, if we could just tweak this one thing and get it right, it would make such a difference. You know, our image in the fossil fuel business is I just think of a dinosaur and that's the way we're being viewed is if like, you know, this is, this is old, well, there's got to be a better way of doing this. And I really do wish that a switch could be flipped mm-hmm. and that the folks that are on the other side, you know, basically denouncing pipelines, denouncing LNG, denouncing anything that has to do with oil, coal, whatever. I just wish that if I had a magic wand, I wish they could all have the same level of passion that I have. I just want them to understand it and maybe just take some part of it and just let's see if we can shift it a little to the center. Yeah, yeah. I, we're not going to convert people um, right. and they're not going to convert me, but but there could be a way where we can kind of meet somewhere in the middle Yeah. so that we can do what's best for the people of the United States. Right. That's a great point. You don't have to agree. Just understand and appreciate and have some empathy, if yeah. you will. Yeah. What do you want people to know about Sanborn Head? That Sanborn Head is really an environmentally responsible company. They believe it, and we're working through that with a lot of the services we provide. Cleaning up sites, establishing you know good ground rules for being able to construct buildings so that buildings can sustain themselves. And then on the energy side, you know we want to be environmentally conscious, which, which is just not, not all natural gas. We will certainly come in with, uh, you know, different what we call microgrids, if you want, if you wish. But it's just a combination of different energy sources and supplies 
so that we're attempting to, to kind of lessen the amount of fossil fuel that we burn and trying to maybe find a place where we can use the solar, we can use the wind. I'd love to see tidal power be developed. Uh, for whatever reason, we're unable to harness the tidal. And there's a lot of action on the East Coast, on the West Coast, and there's a lot of people live there. But I just can't understand why we can't find a way to make use of that. As Sanborn Head continues to roll out its full range of service offerings in the greater Philadelphia region, we'll be energized by their continued success. If you like listening to this episode, please be sure to rate and review our podcast and share it with friends and colleagues and family and through social media. Be sure to check out other episodes of Growing Greater at radio.com, wherever you listen to your podcast or at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. So as we wrap up this episode, let's thank the team at Newmark Knight Frank. Their support is helping us attract new companies and new jobs to our region. Thinking differently, sharing great ideas, and offering thoughtful and innovative advice that helps to advance the success of their clients, well, that is the Newmark Knight Frank way, with roots dating back to 1929. Newmark Knight Frank is one of the most successful global commercial real estate advisory firms. 16,000 professionals, 430 offices on six continents. With an enterprising culture and a fully integrated platform of services, Newmark Knight Frank professionals provide clients with a single source solution for every phase of owning or occupying a property. From strategic planning, site selection, design, construction, and initial occupancy to ongoing cost-effective operations. Learn more at NGKF.com. Com. And join me in thanking Newmark Knight Frank for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia and for their support of our Growing Greater podcast. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. And it helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses, jobs, and talent to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazan and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. To learn more about establishing, expanding, and growing your business or career in Greater Philadelphia, come visit us at selectgreaterphl.com.